0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with
2: conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. One-one pitch, a swing and a fly ball, right center field deep. Back it goes, deep it goes, and gone! Buxton Homer's to right center. And the twins take a one-nothing lead. Twins today is driven by the Maurer Auto Group.
1: More than cars.
3: And Barrios delivers and a swing and a miss. That's number 12 for Jose Barrios. And that ties his career high. Now oh, if you're listening. live
1: from Target Field. Here is Derek Wetmore.
3: We've got
4: tons of great guests lined up today. A former AL MVP, a legendary broadcaster, the voice of a new Twins partner. It's all coming up today on Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. Uh, we'll also welcome a visit, a very special visit that I just got word of, from the Twins Zoom Room, from a guy who had a little bit of an impact on last night's game. I think you could say that without overstating things. Um We'll also invite somebody who follows the team closer than anybody. So let's have some fun with it today on the debut show of Twins Today. We'll start with a fun segment for me. Five Thoughts. Five Thoughts is a column that I've been writing about the Twins for years, and we're bringing it to the radio. I basically look back on the week. What do you need to get caught up on? If you watched every single game, if you heard every single out, then you're still going to find something here because we'll try to dive a little bit deeper into five points that came up for the Minnesota Twins throughout the week. And we're going to start with the Twins' bullpen and Rocco
5: Baldelli's
4: usage of them in the 2021 campaign.
6: Number one.
5: For the sake of it today, or for this series, it's, it's like Wong and Kane and Yelich. So now I can work about my day as I'm going to get Wong, Kane, and Yelich out today. And uh, that's just how I'm going to prepare for the day and, and visualize that I'm going to get those guys out, all the while knowing that it's still a bullpen and the phone could ring and it could be you at any time. But I think that's a good direction for us to start. You know, Nelson's playing and we're, we're facing Giolito. He's thinking about hitting homers off Giolito all day. And for the pitcher, it's completely the, the
2: opposite. And the 2-2 pitch. He got him. Strike three. Fastball by him, swinging at 95. So Rogers comes in. Looks like Barrios and strikes out the side.
4: That, of course, the voice of, I don't know, do we call him Twins Closer? Do we call him Twins Ace Lefty? It's Taylor Rogers who you heard. And the point that I wanted to make here is that I really like the way that Rocco Baldelli is thinking about his bullpen this year. Even better when guys like Rogers are buying into it. You know, in the past, in baseball, we'd have a guy, you're the ninth inning guy, you're the eighth inning guy, you're the seventh-inning guy. Everybody else maybe scrambles and, and matches up and tries to earn their way up that pecking order. But in this case, as you just heard Rodgers say, you know, they're thinking matchups from very early on in the game. We've seen two games against the Brewers now where Rogers comes in, not in the ninth, to protect a, a two-run lead or something. He comes in to get out Christian Yelich. And... You know, the former MVP is a guy who is worth having a reliever targeted to, I would say, with the game on the line. So I just like the way that the Twins, and specifically Rocco Baldelli, have thought about deploying their best pitchers when the game is most on the line. That's it for thought one. Thought number two, I want to talk a little bit about defense.
2: Number two, and the 1-0 pitch, a ground ball up the middle, and a diving stop by Simmons looks to second, no play. So Simmons, I think at least save maybe 90 feet if that ball gets by. Simmons, I think Garcia is able to make third.
4: I mean, this team has the potential to be one of the best defensive teams in baseball, certainly in the American League, for for my money. Anyways, looking at it on paper, you got that clip there from Andrelton Simmons, who is an all-world defender. I honestly think he is the best defensive shortstop of his generation. You could say the same thing about Byron Buxton out in center field. Max Kepler's a well above average right fielder. Josh Donaldson, you know, if and when he gets back on the field and is able to to carry out a full season, we'll talk about that in a second, but Josh Donaldson is an elite defender at third base. So I could keep going around the diamond, but I just think that given the moves that the Twins made last winter, and then into this winter and Byron Buxton sort of emergence onto the scene. Gosh, I think this team could be really special defensively. And, and I think that will start to become a bit of a calling card for them this year. Uh, speaking of Donaldson, let's make him thought number three.
5: Number three. By the first month, kind of, we're going to try to do a little bit of management as far as that's concerned, as far as like playing back to back, you know, starting to kind of understand like the days off and, everything. And then getting used to the travel. I mean, just kind of the, you know, little stuff that, you know, probably used to not matter as much that matters a little bit more far as for recovery. So, I mean, I still want to play as often as possible.
4: Yep. That was before the season started. Now you heard the clip, maybe if you were listening to earlier about Corey Provis on the call, Dan Gladden sort of jumped in and said, Oh, Oh, as, Josh Donaldson rounded first base. He pulled up, and it looked like he was hurt. He's had a history of calf issues, and that's something that the Twins are well aware of when they signed him to a big contract, something that, of course, impacted him last year, especially towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. But I almost view, this is like, this is not the worst-case scenario. There's a little bit of optimism here in that, no, you don't want, Donaldson who's now 35 which is why he said in that clip that he's he's thinking about these things a little bit more than maybe he used to when he was 25 Um, but it's not a calf issue the twins are saying it is a hamstring issue that's going to keep Donaldson out so he hits the 10-day IL. the twins are optimistic that it won't be too much more than that and I I think that you'll see him back on the field I'm very curious to see how they handle this load management with their veteran superstar because we've already seen in spring training and in his first plate appearance of the season he's a big bat he's a huge force in that lineup and as I mentioned before his glove and arm at third base are a huge asset to this team as well so the twins are hoping they can get him back quickly I want to touch on too in thought number four newcomers this year the twins made some moves this offseason let's talk about them quickly for thought number four
1: Number
7: four.
2: As he comes home, 0-2, swing and a miss, and down goes Narvaez. Another changeup. So back-to-back strikeouts from Hansel Robles. The Twins win the game. Colome 1-2-3 ninth, and the Twins are 1-1 after defeating Milwaukee. 2-0 the final score.
4: The big move, Alexander Colomay is a renowned closer in this game. He's going to split some of those late-inning duties, I would imagine, with guys like Taylor Rogers, guys like Tyler Duffy. Uh, Didn't go so well in game one, but went well in game two, and I expect him to be a big addition for this Twins bullpen. Um, I'll touch on the other guys quickly, too. We already spoke about Andrelton Simmons, who is a wizard with the glove, and – Truthfully, the best defensive shortstop of his generation. He should be fun to watch this year. Jay Happ coming in to fill out the starting rotation along with Matt Shoemaker. Those are two guys, kind kind of different cases. I almost I view Jay Happ as a pretty good bet, despite. The advanced age for his profession, I'm certainly not calling him old, but he's older than many of his peers, uh, he's been steady. He is just a solid, reliable arm in the starting rotation, and the Twins could use that. Matt Shoemaker is electric when he's healthy, a very good pitcher, probably underrated just because he hasn't had the uh, you know extended track record when he is healthy, so... That is the gamble the Twins are making there in some upside. Hansel Robles, another guy for the bullpen who should be a fascinating guy to watch this year. If he can add another you know, high-impact arm out there to add to what the Twins already have, maybe bring the walks down, maybe limit the home runs that he saw a little bit last year in a weird and shortened 60-game season, uh, he could be a big addition for the Twins well. And then Kyle Garlick playing left field twins like his glove so this is it's a really interesting roster and I think that the twins have done what Derek Falvey and Thad Levine said they do from the start they want the core of the team to be here and then they want free agency or trades to sort of supplement the roster at the fringes that's what I viewed they did this winter and keep in mind they already had a really great team so that is the approach to take thought number five I couldn't go to anybody else It is. If you watched Saturday night's game, if you listened to any of the broadcast, just an incredible performance. A dynamite pitcher's duel for six innings. Thought number one has to go to Jose Barrios.
1: Number five.
3: And a swing and a miss as Wong strikes out. That's number 12 for Jose Barrios, and that ties his career
4: high. Thought number one, thought number five, whatever. I couldn't remember if I was counting up or counting down, and I guessed wrong. But nonetheless, Jose Barrios was sensational. After the first two innings yesterday, I thought this looked like the early rounds of an absolute heavyweight boxing match. It was a pitcher's duel delight. If you like pitcher's duels, like I do, it's the best kind of baseball game for, for, uh, in my opinion— I mean, that was sensational. Corbin Burns was great on the other side. The Twins were having a hard time making hard contact against him. And Barrios just had the Brewers all kinds of tied up, all kinds of mixed up, finishes six innings, 12 strikeouts. Some people wondering why he came out so early in the game. And and, and I think personally, based on what Rocco Baldelli told the media after the game, it's based on the time of year, right? even though he had a no-hitter going, was not going to get up into the 115, 125, 130 pitches that it might have taken to finish that thing. And you have the matchups that you like out in the bullpen with some pretty great arms. Worked out last night. I think some people might say a controversial decision to pull out a dealing ace when he is absolutely at the top of his game. I tried to think back last night, and, you know, maybe we can ask Jose later when he comes on the show and he's kind enough to join us from the Twin Zoom room, but I I can't think of a time that I've ever seen him better than that. He had all of his pitches working. He was getting ahead in counts. He was missing bats when it mattered. He'd get a guy to two strikes, and there are three different pitches that he might throw him for a putaway. It would be a really hard duty to be a major league hitter, go up there 0-2, facing jose Barrios, who's as locked in as he was last night he can put you away with the changeup. he can put you away with the fastball he can put you away with that big breaking ball and he was on fire last night uh, really looking forward to talking with him later just kind of getting inside his mind how how he was able to get so locked in i'll ask him about getting pulled maybe a little bit early than some people would have liked to see um but what an encouraging sign for the Minnesota Twins and Jose Barrios, the fact that he was so dialed in in his first start of the 2021 season. So that's kind of a taste. That's what Five Thoughts is going to be this year. Uh, I have a lot of fun putting it together. I get a lot of help putting it together. I hear from fans on Twitter all the time, the things that they want to hear about and talk about. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Derek Wetmore, uh, or you can call into the show and the later half of, of Twins Today here. This is Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, More Than Cars. When we come back, we are going to hear a snippet from a great interview with broadcast legend Bob Uger. Stay right here. News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars. I'm your host, Eric Wetmore. We're going to break out a fun segment here. We're calling Radio Revisit. Uh, this is a conversation for the first show with the incomparable Danny Gladden interviewing broadcast legend. Bob Eucher.
3: Hey, joining us now is a special guest, Hall of Famer, Brewers broadcaster, <laughs> actor, comedian, and of course Fisherman, one of my favorites, a former Harley Davidson writer. Bob Eucher joins us. <laughs>
8: Bob, did I did I set you up pretty good there? Yeah, yeah, you did, except with the Harley Davidson thing. They took it away from me. That was not voluntary. My kids took it away from me. But I got I kept an extra key, Danny, and I don't ride it too much, but I go out and sit on it once in a while and start it, you know.
3: At least you get the, to start it up and sit on it and feel it. Absolutely. Opening day to me has always been special. As a player, you get to go out on the chalk line out there. In 64, 5, and 6, you were the opening day catcher. <laughs> it's sad, isn't it? Well, No, I just, uh, <laughs> what's sad is, is that you were, you were 0 for 2 and a loss you went 1 for 2 you tied never heard of a tie and then in 1966 you went 0 for 2 and i think you were caught stealing in 65 on opening day you tried to you were successful 3 times in stealing bases in the minor leagues you were 0 for 3 at the big league level so i didn't want to ruin
8: anything you know i i i did steal feel... I took them home. I didn't you oh. know, <laughs> steal them at the park. I just took them. And when I made the starting lineup for one thing, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable in the first place, but all of us couldn't be great players, you know, but we played in the major leagues there for six years and had a great time, fortunate enough to be on a world's champion in, in 64. We had a lot of laughs. One of the home runs that I hit, Dan, it's really funny because it came off of Gaylord Perry, who was one of the best and, you know, a guy that hated everybody when he was pitching. But I hit the home run against him. And to this day, whenever I see him, we, and we see <laughs> each other, we running to each other a lot restaurants and at the park and everything else. He calls me the worst day of his whole life, not, not of his baseball <laughs> life. It was the worst day of his whole life, he said. So it was great. When I think back to when I was playing, when I first started, we didn't have helmets. Right, you know, you guys wore that little thing inside your hat, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, that little, that little insert inside your your cap. I'm hoping that someday baseball makes pitchers wear a shield in front of them. I hate, I hate it when guys get hit. I really do. Um, I mean, it, it's- one of the most dangerous positions to play. Yeah, and you know, you got hit plenty. <laughs> um, you know, it was part of the game then. It was, it was no matter if people like it or not, if you hit one of your guys, it was two of your guys were right. gone. That was the opposite.
3: If you took some of the swings where you go down on one knee, oh, your, man. Hel- your helmet falls off. Yeah. I remember yeah. Willie Mays. I used to. Oh, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, got to watch Candlestick Park and see him play. But he would take a oh, swing, man. you know, his helmet would come off, and I'm not kidding you, the next pitch you got was it. up and in. Yeah. You know, and they're, not, they're just
8: up and in. Well, it was that way with Henry Aaron, too, you know. Sure. He was a teammate for a few years, and same thing with him. I mean, they threw at everybody. You know, guys right. that were good. You had a guy up in Minnesota for a long time who was a great friend, Harmon Killebrew. You know, all those guys that were the big power guys, if, if you're going to stand there and you were a home run hitter and and you didn't give on some of these guys, and you know the guys that we're talking about that came up and in on you or threw one behind you, that's the way it was. Speaking of Willie Mays, he's, he's 90, I think he's 90 now. But anyway, uh, I talked to him last year. Joe Torre had him on the phone, and we were at a game, and he said Joe, um, Willie wanted to talk to me. So I said, Willie, how are you doing? He said, Bob, what are you doing now? I said, I'm still, <laughs> I said, I'm still playing. He said, what? <laughs> I said, I'm still playing. He said, no, you can't be playing. I said, I don't play every day, you know. but I, you know, I'll play maybe one batter a week. But I'm, I'm still in uniform. And he, he, he thinks, or he thought after I got off the phone, that I was still in uniform. I had him convinced.
3: Uh, hey, the Twins are opening up with you guys here. Uh, how's your team looking right now and uh, the strengths of it and uh, the expectation of the Brewers as
8: well? Probably, if you're looking at the overall club, Dan, it's probably pitching strong, I think. Christian Yelich is going to be, it looks like he's he's found his stroke again, Dan, mm-hmm. uh, after a couple of great years, and then nobody knows what happens when you go into a, a season like he had last year and you can't figure it out. I think the bullpen is going to be solid. If indeed the guys find themselves offensively again, I think they're going to be a factor in the central.
3: Defensively, you guys picked up Jackie Bradley Jr. late, and he's a— uh, Uh, a premier defender out there and
8: well jackie as you said danny showed up late you're right about premier in the outfield you know you know more about him than i do Mm -hmm. i haven't seen a lot of him i know what he is and and what a what a player he is and what an individual he is everybody talks about what a great guy he is and a great guy to have on the ball club but it's going to be interesting to see what Kane does uh after laying off a year i don't i don't know if if, um, if people can do that, and especially, Danny, you know, when you get to 35 or 36 years old, to sit out a whole year and then try to get it back, uh, although with Bradley there, I mean, there's going to be certainly somebody in the outfield to replace him. You know how the rosters move this year. I mean, you can have 26 people, mm-hmm. and you, you've, you've got a, a, a system for, for the Brewers. It's up in Appleton. Or guys are 100 miles away, you know, running them back and forth. And you can do that.
3: The Minnesota Twins also have their AAA club in St. Paul now. So uh, it seems like more teams are doing that because the advantage that you have uh, with your AAA club or your alternate site uh, very close to you, it's easy to maybe, I don't want to say manipulate the, the, the process or your lineup, but it's very easy to get a player there the next day.
8: Oh, absolutely. I mean, with the Brewers, as I said, Appleton is 90 miles away. And you're talking about St. Paul, which uh, a long time ago when, when I was playing and we were at AAA in, in Wichita, Kansas, and Minneapolis and St. Paul were A teams at that time. It's always been a baseball hotbed. It's, it's been for a long, long time. And the luxury of having those guys, you know, right down the street for any time you need them or when you want to call them, um, uh, that, that's a big plus.
4: Just a treat to hear from Bob Euchre in that uh, interview. That is just a snippet. There was a lot more where that came from in behind the batting cage with, uh, of course, the incomparable Danny Gladden. So those will be played throughout the season, I believe, on the Dyna Realty pregame lineup card. You can hear more from broadcast legend Bob Uecker, a couple points that I thought was fun, talking about. Lorenzo Cain taking a year off and, and Jackie Bradley Jr. coming in here. The Brewers have really done a sort of similar plan to the Minnesota Twins. You know, do it with defense, have a couple of star hitters, really bet on your pitching and try to make that top end pitching even stronger with a great defensive club behind it. So that's why you've seen two fascinating games in game one and game two of this season opening series. And I cannot wait for game three here today. This. Two pretty evenly matched, very good teams. That's just, that's great baseball. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, And also fun to hear from Mr. Bob Bucher. We're going to take a break here on Twins Today, driven by Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. When we come back, I'm going to be talking with a former AL MVP and current Valley Sports North broadcaster. Justin Morneau joins us next. And we're going to hope to talk to last night's star, Jose Barrios. Stay, Stay here. You're listening to News Talk. Eight three zero WCCO. And
1: the pitch swung on. There's a long drive to right, way back
8: upstairs. Long home run for Justin Barno in the upper deck in right field, and this game is tied at
9: two.
7: Actually, we were in the grocery store the other night, and I don't know, it was like eleven o'clock at night. We we're just going to get some food and. You know, people walking around the aisles chanting MVP and stuff. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it makes me smile still. I think it's it's kind of funny. I don't know. I can't imagine what it's going to be like to go get groceries now.
4: <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool clip. This is Twins Today, driven by Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm Derek Wetmore, and we welcome in former AL MVP, Justin Morneau. Justin,
7: thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks for having me. That uh, It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Right? It's, it's, time flies, but... Uh... You know what? I'm in a new role, and I'm enjoying it. So.
4: Yeah, well, we're enjoying having you in it. It's been a lot of fun, Justin, to hear your insight in the games on TV. I, I, let's just start out with topic A, because Jose Barrios, Corbin Burns, they were sensational last night.
7: Yeah, that was one of the best pitched games I've seen. You know, you, you get that from time to time with one guy, but when both guys are doing what they did last night and – It wasn't just like, you know, ground ball to short, amazing diving play. It was just complete dominance. It was strikeout after strikeout after strikeout. And it wasn't like the hitters were up there looking like they were trying to go deep. The stuff was just so good they couldn't hit it.
4: I think you're right that you don't typically see dueling aces like that. Yeah, you know, How many times have we seen a big pitching match build? It's supposed to be, you know, superstar <laughs> against superstar. And it turns out, yeah, maybe Jacob deGrom goes out and great, and the other guy, not so much. Yeah, uh, he, he's
7: out after two and a third yeah, or whatever it is, and deGrom goes eight and does what he does. Yeah, it's, 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 Very it's, rarely do you get that.
4: Typically exact. one side of it. So it was really fun to hear, you know, everything playing out last night with the Twins ace starter who. Joins us by the phone now, I understand. uh, With the duel between Corbin Burns and Jose Barrios, Jose joins us. Thanks for uh, taking the time to jump on the show, Jose.
6: Hi, good morning. Thank you. Thank you guys for inviting me this this morning.
4: What a sensational performance
6: that was like. When you're
4: dialed in, do you notice that the other guy is also pitching great?
6: Uh, Yeah, obviously. I've been watching him how fast he gets us, you know, inning by inning. But at the same time, you know, I say, yeah, we we have to keep continuing, you know, be aggressive with their hitters, attack them. So I think we got a great plan last night and we secured well.
4: Jose, I've been watching you since you debuted with the Twins. I can't remember a time that you looked more locked in. Is that the best you felt on the mound?
6: Uh to be honest I, the way I feel last night, I've been feeling, you know, a few days in my past, but obviously I never had a, a no hitter combined with 12 punch out. But I remember I had a no hitter through the seven uh, target field, but I don't remember how many strikes I had that night. But, like, you know, when you got that feeling, when you got, like, like we say, cruise control. On, just just keep doing what you've been doing all night,
7: and you're gonna get uh, a great execution. Yeah, that was it. Was impressive to watch. I know we <clears throat> we talked about it last night, Jose. It's, it's Justin Morno again. Um, what, you, what you've been doing with your curveball is that something that you felt towards the second half of last year? Is your curveball as good as you've had it uh, in your time in the big leagues?
6: Uh, yeah, I. You know, always gonna be better day by day. I know they, I know they know I got a great curveball, so they're looking for. And, um, you know, and myself, trying to, to, to get him better, to not perfectly the pitches, but trying to throw with more, uh, like, more consistent in the right way. So, yes, last night I throw a few, like, Start on the on the bottom, of the song strike some, but then you know ending down on the dirt. So that's when the that's what uh, when I was the that breakable, You know, look a strike and then finish ball. So because when I hang in, that's when they hit me. You know, and give me do me a damage.
7: And then as far as the the change up, I mean that has become a real weapon for you. Is that something that uh, it looks like you're as comfortable throwing your changeup as you are as throwing your curveball now, and that's a real good way to get left-handed hitters out. Is that something, uh, you know, really over the last couple of years that you've really worked on and, and made an effort to to have a third pitch that you can that you can trust?
6: Yeah, yeah. Like you say, you know, I've been putting a lot of effort, you know, with the country staff, uh, you know, me back in Puerto Rico during the offseason. But, yeah, we, we've been working on that, trying to use, for every pitch, I think the, the key in, in my stuff is be aggressive for each pitch, fastball, curveball, changeup. So I've been working on that. Use my use more my bottom of part of the of the, of, of the my body. You know, my, use my use more my leg, my back leg, my back hip, and then that's when my my pitch is gonna break like more late and quickly.
4: Jose, one final question before we let you get off, and, and you know, congratulations on a, a great start to the season here. I want to know, and the listeners want to know, did you do anything different this winter and spring training before the start of this season?
6: uh, yeah, we always got something new, we always got something to learn, so yeah, like I say, I've been feeling, and I know we have to use more of my you know my or or leg, but this up season, and you know so far, I've been feeling more when I use it the right way, and also. Try to stay back the longest possible to stay, you know, try to stay close and then create that power. And then when you when you start, you know, in the, doing the right way, and then you're going to see it on the end when you throw the pitches, you know, with the fastballs, change your breaking ball. So, like I say, if I keep continuing doing that, be aggressive with my two pitches, I'm going to keep having a night like I had yesterday.
4: It's great. Uh, congratulations on a great first outing, Jose, and thank you for talking with us. Thank you, guys. I
6: appreciate it. God bless you, you all.
4: Justin, I thought that was a really interesting insight. The fact you asked him about the secondaries. He really does look, sets up the fastball, throws it for strikes on either side, but then his ability to throw a changeup or a curveball, I mean, what does that do to a hitter when you can't start to eliminate and guess what's coming next?
7: Well, that's that's what's so tough. You know, he's a guy who doesn't have a slider, so he doesn't have that fourth that fourth pitch, you know, that kind of in-between, so that change-up has become that, you know, that third pitch that is, is even more important because, you know, if you're going through the order one time as a reliever, you can get away with two pitches, even sometimes one pitch if it's if it's that dominant. But as a starter, you have to have three pitches and, and sometimes four, but you have to have three pitches that work because – if a guy gets a, you know, three at-bats and he gets that many looks at your fastball or that many looks at your curveball, eventually he's going to start to make an adjustment. They're major league hitters, and good major league hitters do that. When you have a third pitch to worry about, that's when it becomes really difficult because, all right, I'm looking for something as a left-handed hitter breaking towards me, and all of a sudden it's the, the pitch that looks like a fastball, and and, <laughs> and it just fades, and it's and it's 80, yeah. 84, or 86, or whatever it is. And, and by the time you recognize it, you're fooled. And so you're trying to see three things instead of seeing two. And he's able to throw him for strikes. He's able to throw it with, you know, out of this basically the same release point. I think that's as important as anything. You know, uh, some guys have dropped down. You can change, see a difference on where their hand is on the ball and, and all that kind of stuff. He, he's he's really made a conscious effort of having the same release point, have a consistent release point. And then you hear him talk. And now, where he's at in his career, he knows who he is as a pitcher. He knows what he does well. And then he knows what it feels like when it's not right. And he's able to make adjustments from pitch to pitch as opposed to young guys when they first come up it's it's inning to inning or sometimes even game to game or they have to wait till they get to the bullpen in between starts and, and you know for me he's evolved into the guy that everyone I think saw the potential in him and thought that he could be
4: it sure looks like it and yeah if you're a, a big league hitter and you're looking for three things like you say and one of them's 95 96 at your eyes uh, good luck <laughs>
7: yeah he's and that's it's been you know his his two seam isn't really much of a sinker, it's more run and it's more to, to yeah to make those right handed hitters aware that and, and no hitter wants to get jammed. I don't I don't care who you are, it's a bad feeling. It hurts your it hurts your hands, but it also hurts your pride. You <laughs> know that <laughs> yes, that guy's out right. there going, All right, I just beat you with my best fastball. You can't get you know, and yep. it's kind of a, a little bit of an ego thing and and he's got that. So he's he's made right handed hitters aware and conscious of the ball up under their hands. And then it opens up the outside part of the plate for that breaking ball when he when he wants to throw it for a strike or he wants to throw it for a chase. So, you know, he's really figured out who he is as a pitcher and, and obviously we don't expect a no hitter every time he goes out there, but <laughs> well. he's got that potential and, and we've seen it, you know, flashes of it. He's he's as he said, he's taken a no hitter into the seventh before, but you know, this was different. This was just pure dominance. Wow.
4: Yep. Awesome to watch. Justin, really great talking with you. Thanks for stopping by and sharing some of your insight with us today.
7: Thanks for having me.
4: Catch Justin on the Valley Sports North broadcast today uh, as the Twins and Brewers go for the rubber match. For now, though, stay tuned to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. We'll be back with more Twins Talk, talking a little bit of St. Paul Saints baseball after this on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Twins Today, driven by Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we're already having a lot of fun talking Twins baseball today. That's the goal of the show. You just heard from Justin Morneau about Jose Barrios, and then Jose Barrios called in to talk about his dominating performance last night. One of the things I'd like to do with this show is welcome in uh, new partners of the Twins, but also just kind of friends of mine for a long time. Uh, the St. Saint Paul Saints are now the Twins A affiliate, if you didn't catch the news. And I want to have a segment each week devoted to their new A partner and also just give a little bit of love to Lower Town St. Paul playing their games over in CHS Field. So for today's show, I've welcomed in uh, Sean Aronson, who is the Vice President, uh, Director of Media Relations and Broadcasting for the St. Saint Paul Saints. Sean, thanks for taking some time to talk with us today.
9: Derek, thank you very much. First of all, I apologize to everyone. You've had Euchre, Barrios, <laughs> Morno, and and now me. So so I apologize to to everyone that uh, this is sort of the down part of this program.
4: Well, Sean, how do you think I feel?
9: <laughs> uh, well, but you surround one... yourself with, with amazing people, so that that's what makes it better, right? Well,
4: th- thank you very much. I'll take the compliment. Uh, <laughs> the last time we spoke, maybe not the last time, but one of the most recent times, Sean, uh, we were we were on the phone, and it was when. The, I think it was a Baseball America report that came out. Now, this was before the Twins and Saints were partners. This was, I would almost say, some people thought it was unthinkable at the time. But a Baseball America report surfaced saying that, in part, the minor league structure was going to change and that the St. Paul Saints might become uh, an affiliated minor league program. Uh, You know, what was that moment like, A, when you thought that, yeah, this was a possibility – Maybe some bittersweet moment for you, but I'd like to take listeners through, too, the perspective of the Saints from when it went from being a possibility to now a reality.
9: Well, well, I'll just say this. This is my 15th year as the broadcaster with the St. Paul Saints, and from day one when I got here, everybody's been asking me, when are the Saints and the Twins going to partner up? When are the Saints (laughs) going to be the affiliate of the Minnesota Twins? And I I told everybody, and this is true, I've told everybody – I will be long gone by the time that ever happens. Uh, so I'm pretty sure uh, Derek Scherer, uh, our general manager, now has to fire me because it's happened and I'm still around. Uh, but, but honestly, I, you know, I, the, the report came out in, what was it, 2019? I think it was like October of 2019. J.J. Cooper, if people don't read Baseball America, J.J. Uh, Cooper is one of the best writers around and has been on top of this story with minor league baseball uh, since the outset, and and he basically broke the news. Nobody in our office knew anything about this, uh, and, of course, it, it became big news. I don't think it really became a possibility, uh, or things didn't really start moving in the direction that, that it now is until the Twins utilized CHS Field as their alternate training site last July. I think they got an opportunity to see how the ballpark worked, how it played, Uh, got to know our front office staff even better. Uh, again, we we've known the twins and and their staff for a while. Uh, but I think that's when it really became, uh, a reality. And then it wasn't really finalized until maybe a couple of weeks before it was actually announced. People don't understand how much went into this partnership, including getting major league baseball on board. Yeah.
4: I mean, it's no small feat to change something so dramatically. Um, I'm curious to know, because uh, for for people who don't know, the Saints welcomed fans to the stands last year. So I'm just curious, point blank, to know, from your perspective, how do you think that went, welcoming people into the open-air stadium over in Lower Town St. Paul?
9: Yeah, we were, I think, the only official league to actually play last year. There were some other leagues that had to carve teams from other leagues to put things together uh, on the independent ranks, but... Uh, we were the only official league to play last year. I, look, it, it went as well as it possibly could have, uh, and, and that's saying a lot. Uh, we welcomed in fifteen hundred people. We had uh, six different entrances and exits uh, for the pods that we had. We had six different pods, two hundred and fifty people in each pod, uh, and it really it went smoothly. Uh, the, you know, the great thing about this year, uh, not that the the pods weren't great because because they were, we don't have to have quote unquote pods this year where people have to enter and exit through specific uh, uh, entrances and exits. Uh, but right now we're able to have 2,100 people uh, for opening day, which will be May 11th. And, and we're, we're looking forward to it. But as far as last year went, uh, I think that set the stage to allow teams in the state of Minnesota to play in front of people this year, because I think the governor and the governor's task force look towards what we did last year Uh, as a blueprint for this year for for the Twins and the United and and the Wild and the T-Wolves and and now us.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, necessary blueprint too. I mean, I'm sure there was learning along the way and you guys are able to share some of that knowledge uh, with those other teams too. You mentioned the home opener, Sean, so I I know I want to point people to that, that they can go to saintsbaseball.com and learn more about where they can get tickets and all of those particulars, but I understand it's not just saints games that fans can watch at chs field this year Uh, do i have this right you guys are hosting viewing parties starting as early as this week
9: yeah so in conjunction with the twins and we've been working on this for the last uh, i don't know two or three weeks with with the twins uh marketing folks we wanted to allow people that couldn't get over to target field for the home opener for the twins to come watch the game uh out at our ballpark and so on thursday uh, on, on on the 8th of april people can come out to chs field and and watch the twins uh, on our video board i know it's not as as great as being at target field but they're limited as well in terms of capacity so uh, we decided to extend it uh, to, to our ballpark and have a little fun over there and and let people watch it and, and just to have people come outside and enjoy and uh you know just be be a part of a, a community again and so we're doing that again we're, we're limited as well in terms of the amount of people that we can uh, we can have at the ballpark. It's the same twenty one hundred that we'll have for for our season, and tickets are ten dollars uh, to come on out. Concessions will be opened, and and we'll have a good time while we're out there rooting on the Twins. It's going to be a good day. And then on top of that, uh, before the before the game starts, uh, I think gates open at two thirty uh, or two o'clock, I think, and they can come out and watch uh, batting practice. So uh, the, the alternate mm. training site guys that that are using our ballpark again. Uh, we'll be taking uh, BP and, you know, maybe they'll do a little home run derby or something like that for the fans while, uh, while they're there, but, but they can also come out on, on any day that the alternate training site guys are, are working out the schedules on our website at Saintsbaseball.com. Uh And for $5, they can come out and enjoy. Most of the workouts are 10 30 to two 30 uh, batting practices at 11. And I think they usually have a SIM game that starts, I believe at 12 30. So uh, look, it's, it's as good as, as, you know, going over to target field and, and watching a game. It's, it's, you know, a little bit more intimate and, and personal. Um, unfortunately they can't sign autographs or anything like that right now. Uh, but, but you get to, you get to sit at CHS field and, and check out the the twins of tomorrow.
4: Yeah. And I always thought it was cool going to check out baseball at CHS field for that sort of intimate five you're talking about. And now there's kind of the added bonus. Yeah. You might get to see some future twins while you're at it. That's pretty cool.
9: Yeah. It's, look, it's going to be exciting and we, we can't wait for, For our season to start Uh, obviously in in the original schedule our season started this tuesday i mean we were scheduled to open on tuesday at home uh the the season got pushed back a month for for obvious reasons and uh i think there are a number of us in in the front office that are actually kind of relieved about that because people don't understand how Hmm. much it takes to get ready for a season uh we got a late start obviously with the announcement coming down in in december uh, but but we'll be ready uh, for the home opener on, on May 11th, and and it's it really will. It'll be exciting to to, to see the these guys. Uh, you know, obviously brand new for us, a brand new team, brand new coaching staff. Uh, they're in town. I've had a chance to to talk with Toby Toby Gardenhire, who will be our manager, uh, and the entire coaching staff. Phenomenal guys, uh, and and they've already told me great great group of guys that are at the alternate training site. Obviously we don't know who our roster is going to be. And I hate to speculate on that because, because to be very honest, these guys that are at the alternate training site, they don't want to play for the saints and, and that's not a knock on the saints, right? Their goal is to play sure. in the big leagues. And so, yeah. uh, you know, some of these guys are, are hoping that, you know, maybe before the season starts uh, they're going to get the call up, obviously, you know, uh, Brent Rooker, who was scheduled to be a part of the alternate alternate training site, uh, got called up after Donaldson got hurt so so things like that do happen so uh, you know I won't speculate on guys that will play for us but uh, I will say this there are three, 33 guys at the alternate training site and uh, a good majority of them will, will wind up playing for us this year
4: yeah it'll be fun to follow that's for sure Sean uh, thank you so much for your time I'm wondering as we let you go here where can people go to learn more and if they want to see some Saints baseball this summer
9: yeah, quite simply, just go to SaintsBaseball.com. Again, we've got the schedule up for the alternate training site. We've got the watch party this Thursday, uh, April 8th, and then tickets on sale for for the Saints games. Uh, we open at home on, on May 11th. Season opens May 4th. We're on the road in, in Omaha. So just go to SaintsBaseball.com. It's all right there at your fingertips.
4: That's great. Sean, thank you so much for taking your time today. It's good to talk to you again.
9: Derek, I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
4: That was Sean Aronson. He is, uh, well, a lot of people maybe know him as the voice of the Saints. Uh, He does a podcast on the matter as well, uh, which is fun to follow. And, uh, yeah, he is the vice president, director of media relations and broadcasting for the St. Paul Saints. He mentioned 15 years, so Sean knows what it's like going from the American Association, becoming an affiliated minor league program. I would venture to guess, not having gone through the process myself, a very different feel a very different vibe you know things that you need to get prepared for for a a major league season that now you're in conjunction with the big league team and I don't mean to say uh this is not the right phrase so for for better or for worse is what I was going to say but you know I think there's a lot of positives for this from the Saints perspective um I would be remiss if I didn't also mention I think this is a great boon for the Twins. Uh, He he mentioned that people have been talking to him since he started with the Saints, gosh, uh, 15 years ago or so, that when are you going to be affiliated with the Twins? And, I mean, the the question probably got repeated so often because it makes a lot of sense, right? If you're the Minnesota Twins, and uh, uh, let's use an example from this early goings already, Josh Donaldson rounding first base in Milwaukee, and you see him hop a little bit, and you think, uh-oh, that's your first thought. Uh, now it turns out it it might not be as severe or serious as you you may have originally feared with Donaldson. But to get somebody from St. Paul over to Milwaukee, um, even with modern travel and everything, I just think it's less of a headache. But even more so, can you imagine a 10-game homestand? The Twins are, are playing baseball, and they're halfway through a – Homestand and, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't have to happen a whole lot, but you got to make calls to the minor leagues every once in a while. The Twins, they're going to rely on their depth of their system this year. So there will be minor league reinforcements that find their way to contribute to the the big league club this year. How much easier it is to just hop in a car from uh, Lower Town St. Paul, hop on 94 and head west and get to the ballpark. That's a, that's a pretty easy travel day in terms of your your big league debut or just your latest major league call-up. So I know Bob Uecker mentioned it in his interview with uh, Dan Gladden earlier on the program. What an advantage it is for the twins from their perspective to have a St. Paul affiliate and, and not not low way where you might get to go see future twins, but they will be a few years away. I mean, these are the guys that you might pitch for the saints and two days later, you're in the bullpen for the twins. That is the kind of uh, player that they're going to have over there across the river at, from Target Field, and I just I can't get uh, over how how helpful that will be. Or you know, given the number of moves that the Twins make throughout a given season or have in recent seasons, man, just. Just good all around, and I hope the partnership works out well for the Saints too. So we'll make that a regular part of the program. Uh, we'll talk to Sean quite a bit more this summer. Hope to maybe wrangle some other guests from the St. Saint Paul Saints, the Twins' new AAA affiliate, and it'll be fun to keep tabs, keep up with that team. Uh, that is it for Hour 1, but we've still got a whole nother hour of Twins today driven by Mauer Auto Group more than cars i'm really looking forward to talking to a uh an old friend of mine who now makes his home around the milwaukee area we'll talk a little bit of twins brewers coming up next on news talk 830 WCCO.
2: welcome back to twins today driven by the mauer auto group more than
4: cars once again live from target field here is Derek wetmore We are live at Target Field and it's a beautiful day in general, beautiful day for baseball. I don't know how it is in Milwaukee, but it can't be as nice as the weather in downtown Minneapolis right now. Uh, This is Twins Today. It's a new show. We're going to talk Twins Baseball heading into the pregame show every single Sunday of the baseball season. Uh, Really glad to be with you and I'm also really uh, glad to be joined right now by a good friend of mine and a stand-up comedian, sports talk host, who now does his work in Milwaukee, covering the Brewers, among other things, Rami Makloff. Rami, thank you for coming on the show today.
0: It is my absolute pleasure, Derek Wetmore. It is pretty nice here in Milwaukee, but I'm not at the ballpark. So I, I, I am jealous of you, even though we got the nice weather. I'm not sitting and looking out over a beautiful baseball field right now, just my sad little apartment.
4: I'll tweet you a photo of how great uh, Target Field is looking that, right now.
0: That's exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> <I appreciate that. laughs>
4: it's almost – it's it's looking like it's rounding into form to be ready for that uh-huh. uh, home opener on April 8th. That's going to be all kinds of fun.
0: Did they, put, did they uh, put a roof on it yet there? Nope, no roof, oh, okay. which is great. Right. I, I got right. the windows okay. open
4: on the press box. It's okay. just warm air. Birds are chirping. Baseball is back, baby.
0: But you have the option of windows open or windows closed, right? That is optionality,
4: yes, that I would not take at this point of the season. (laughs) Rami, we got treated last night, man. We got to watch an absolute, you know, heavyweight title fight of a pitcher's duel. And I've shared with you in the past that pitcher's duels are my favorite type of baseball. The game moves. It's a chess match. Hitters Don't necessarily control everything. They're not going to probably get one 500 feet unless their name is Byron Buxton. But man, Corbin Burns versus Jose Barrios last night between the Twins and Brewers was one of my favorite games to watch in a while.
0: And and I'm a, I'm a fan of, of, of pitchers duels too. I don't want one every time, Derek. What I love about baseball <laughs> is, is the is the variety of baseball. Give me a slugfest one day and give me Burns versus Barrios the next day and what, no hits till what was it, the fifth or the sixth inning? We yeah. were enjoying good weather for the first time uh in a year here in Milwaukee. So I had a cookout. So I was like in between the grill and the baseball game. <laughs> but I don't went to like the fifth or the sixth inning before anybody got a hit. And yeah, man, I I think I think those are two guys who you're going to be able to I mean, you know about Jose barrios so I don't need to tell you guys anything about that, but Corbin Burns is just a couple of years, I think, behind him on that developmental track, and you're going to see a lot more performances like that from from both those guys moving forward. I think those are two good young arms coming up for these two teams right now.
4: That was a sick. I had a cookout brag yesterday.
0: It was a pretty sick I... cookout. You can go to my timeline at Robbie Reading and see what I had going. I had like six different meats going on the grill. What more? It was pretty impressive. <laughs> if I must I,
4: I am impressed, and I don't doubt it for a second. Uh, <laughs> the, the Brewers have a really interesting team this year, and I guess I'll ask you first on that, but I, I do want to circle back on the Twins. Locally, in Milwaukee, what is the expectation for this Brewers team? Because what I've seen the past two days, and I think I, I'm on the record, I think the Twins are going to be a really good ball club this year. I, mm-hmm. Eclipsing 90 wins shouldn't be a trouble if everything goes to plan. The fact that the Brewers have not only hung with them, but kind of threw them a knockout punch in the in the first game of the season, that I think speaks pretty well to the Brewers' talent that they have. What locally, what is the expectation for that club?
0: You know, Derek, the the two fan bases, having having worked there in in Minnesota for a little while and, and plenty of time here in Milwaukee, they're very similar in that they the expectations are, are all over the place and go from one end of the spectrum to another because it's small market baseball, you know, Derek? And, and and a lot of fans are, are discouraged by that and either say we have no chance until there's a salary cap or blame the owners for being cheap and, and, and don't really want to buy into any Brewers team from year to year. But there are plenty of people, myself included, who are really optimistic about this baseball team, Derek. And, and honestly, when, when, when teams were, were just getting ready to report for spring training, I thought they might win a war of attrition in the NL Central because literally no money was spent. I think between all the teams in the NL Central, about $20 million of new salary was added as these teams were about to, to report for spring training. And and I thought the Brewers could win a war of attrition and win this division seriously with 84 or 86 wins. And then there was a little flurry of activity from the three teams at the top cubs made a couple moves obviously the cardinals went and got nolan arenado but the brewers made a couple of what i thought were really under the radar smart moves in in getting colton Wong to play second base and and adding jackie bradley jr to an outfield that already had three starting quality outfielders out there but the brewers have been known to do that in the past and add depth and and people kind of you know, turning turning uh, a side eye to him and going, what are you going to do with that guy? And they always seem to find a way to get all these guys there at basket, all these guys out there on the field and in the best situations possible. Craig Council has been really good at that. And with those with those two additions, Derek, and this pitching staff, I think this Brewers team now can win an NL Central that's even a little bit stronger. I got them. I got them at about 88, maybe 90 wins and probably winning this division.
4: That'll be fun. And I know you'll have fun watching the uh, Cardinals all summer long too, uh, as well as the Brewers, the Brewers and and your Cubs as well. Uh, Let me ask you quickly, Rami, because I I am curious. The, they say the baseball is a little different this year. Maybe we won't see the same, uh, you know, bombas flying out of target field that we did two years ago when the twins set the all time major league record with 307 homers. Um, what do you think about the fact that the Twins are? Yeah, they still have some good hitters. Don't get me wrong, but they're betting a little bit on defense with Josh Donaldson as a star at third base, Andrelton Simmons as a Gold Glover of Gold Glovers at mm-hmm. shortstop, and then of course you got the guy in center field who will catch anything that would have touched grass. What do you think about that uh, sort of bet on the glove a little bit in 2021?
0: I think that's what the Brewers are doing too, Derek. I mean, along along with the the guys that I just talked about, Colton Wong. At, at second base, he has a couple gold gloves. Lorenzo Cain is in center field. He's got a gold glove of his own. I think Jackie Bradley Jr. brings a gold glove with him, and they have two pretty good defensive catchers in Omar Narvaez and Manny Pena. So defense up the middle for the Brewers is very, very solid, and, and I think you do got the same thing going with the Twins. And I think there's something to be said for for run prevention. You know, we get, we get caught up in, in what offensive baseball is in 2021, Derek, but – I I, I went over this equation with you and and our listeners in a previous radio live where we talked baseball together, and and it's this. The the less runs that you give up – now, follow along with me here. Okay. But Mm -hmm. the less runs that you give up, the less runs you have to score and still win baseball games. (laughs) Does that that – is the math adding up to you, Dave? I think so, I'm
4: following. I mean, slow down a little because I was taking some notes and, here as we speak.
0: And honestly, I, the the Brewers for me have some question marks defensively, so I think it's really smart for them to 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 bank on on pitching and defense a little more so than than other teams around baseball. The Twins. I mean, they have a lineup up and down, Derek, that if, if you add, you know, really good run prevention between the pitching and the defense to what they have in that lineup, even with a baseball, that's a little less jumpy in 2021, potentially, even even with that being said, I mean, that's that's a really solid formula. If you can score a bunch of runs and have the ability to prevent teams from scoring runs again. I'm not great at math, but I think that's a really good formula for winning baseball games right there,
4: Derek. <laughs> Yeah, well, runs are runs, as they say. Exactly, yeah. But we've seen it too, you know, go win a two-to-nothing ball game, and that counts just as much in the left-hand column as if, if you win a slugfest. I'm just I'm fascinated to see, because the question locally, Rami, is always going to be great it can win in the regular season, but can it win in the postseason? And personally – I love to see that the twins have added another dimension that they can win a ball game they obviously they're already a great ball club, and I look more at twenty nineteen who were they than I do in twenty twenty Obviously, we can learn a little from twenty twenty but twenty nineteen was was really the year that I'm looking at and saying like, Hey, pretty similar team, and added some good players to it too. I love that they you know they can slug you to death on a certain day, they might be able to pitch you you know under the table and now they've got several guys who will be candidates for gold gloves at their respective positions i think it's good once october rolls around to have that flexibility
0: yeah i think i think i think defense has always been a little underrated in in the baseball world Derek, among among fans and and, and the more casual of us but especially in the modern day with with what we've seen in in the explosion of offense and, and run production in this league we don't really think about or talk about defense all that much. I don't think front offices forgot about it altogether, but maybe to a degree they weren't placing enough importance on it. And I think you're starting to see it swing back the other way. And with the two teams that we're talking about today, with the Brewers and Twins, obviously placing a lot of emphasis on on, on the gloves that they're putting out there.
4: Last question, Rami, and I sure do appreciate you giving us some of your time and your uh, baseball, infinite baseball wisdom today on the program. What's one thing, it can be Brewers or Twins or Major League Baseball in general, what's something that you're looking forward to the most in the summer of 2021?
0: Derek, I'm looking forward to hopefully the All-Star Game being moved to the city of Milwaukee after it was removed from the city of Atlanta. Yeah. Sitting out at Miller Park with an open roof on a sunny day. Well, I guess it'll be a a nice summer evening taking in the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That would be a great, great way to celebrate a return to normalcy and a return to baseball after this last year that we've all been through. I'm very, very much looking forward to that hopefully happening, my friend.
4: Well, I'll toast to that, Rami. Again, just super appreciative of your time and your wisdom and your insight and all that you've given me through the years. Uh, Thanks for coming on the program, Rami.
0: Literally any time, Derek Wetmore. You know it's my pleasure, my friend.
4: (laughs) Sounds great. Have a good day. All right, dude. That is Rami Makloff. If you're uh, in the Twin Cities and you remember Rami and you want to catch up with what he's doing now, Rami is tweeting, is on Twitter. He's also at 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee, talking a lot of Brewers baseball, talking some Packers. I'm sure they maybe make some time on their show for that football team. But it's uh, just great to hear from him, and he's got great Twins perspective, but also I'd like to get some out-of-town perspective on these shows as well. Throughout the baseball season. So we got to go to a break. This one is going to be a special break. It's the Mauer Auto Group break. And we're now joined by Jeremy McFarland from the Mauer Auto Group. Jeremy, thanks for joining. What are you most excited for coming up this baseball season?
1: Oh, we can't even wait. Twins, it's the favorite time of our year. You know how (laughs) excited we are with the twins.
10: Yeah,
4: well, and you know, a fun time of year too. As as we're doing this show, the weather is starting to brighten up here in Minnesota. What does that mean in your world? Well, in our world, what
1: it means is the people want to come out and get some new cars. And with the Maurer Auto Group, we carry some of the biggest inventory of—I mean, of all three stores—we can sell anything anywhere. It's just great on how it works, and people are just coming out. It's so nice to see. I love it.
4: So I understand you guys are six days a week wide open. You just mentioned multiple locations. So tell me about that. Flexibility and geography, depending on where people are living, where they want to go shopping for cars, I guess.
1: Yes, whether you're down near the Immigrant Heights store down, you know, South St. Paul, or you're up in the North Metro, and we're in the Anoka area. So we've got you covered everywhere in between North and South.
4: Let's say I'm somebody who's coming out of, uh, yeah, a little bit of a winter, uh, winter doldrums in Minnesota, and I'm looking for something, uh, I don't know, a little fun, a little exciting. Do you have something that you'd steer me towards, Jeremy?
1: Yeah, I would steer you towards a really nice Camaro. That's always a nice, fun one. But, no, really what's selling right now is the brand-new Silverado. They just got a refresh. We've got the Equinoxes. They're hotter than a pistol. And then the all-new redesigned Trailblazer, those we just, they were selling them, selling a ton of them.
4: I suppose it's kind of that time of year in Minnesota. People want to get in their, in their new wheels. Um, what is, what is uh, special right now going on? What would people need to know about? Why choose Maurer Chevrolet and the Mauer Automotive
3: Group?
1: Well, the big thing about the Mauer Auto Group is truly, I mean, we have the selection you want. The pricing is fabulous. But really, the best thing about the Mauer Auto Group is our more than cars theme. And this year, it's all about more than cars. So we'll take care carrying the cars and everything. But what happens is when you do business with us, that allows us to get out in the community. And some of the donations we've been doing lately, we've given away two cars to veterans already this year. We've we fed um, some of our first responders. We went to some health care workers. We donated a bunch of food. So truly, you have the best selection in town, and that allows us to go out and give back to the communities.
4: That's great. I should say quickly, too, it, it sounds like that's in partnership with the Minnesota Twins, some of your community uh, some of your community facing, activities, I suppose, where you guys are really trying to make a concerted effort to give back this year. Do I understand that? Correct.
1: Yeah, you understand it. Exactly. Correct. It's, it's going so well. The response has been wonderful. And what's happening is it's snowballing. The people that we're taking care of, they want to pay it forward, take care of somebody else. And with all the partners we have with everybody, we can make a really big presence on this and we're, we're making a difference and we're changing people's lives. And that's, It just means so much more to us. And that's why we keep saying it's more than cars. The cars allow us to do this and we'll take care of you on the cars. The whole Mauer Auto Group, all we're about is your needs. We want to find out what you need. We want to find out how to help you get into a new car. But at the end of the day, it allows us to reach out to the community, get together with our partners and really change some lives.
4: It's truly great to hear, Jeremy. Thank you so much for your time today. Where can people get in touch if they're looking to find you?
1: Yeah, the best place to go is to our websites. Obviously we have the Mauer Chev, the um, Mauer Buick GMC, the Mauer Main Chev website. You can go to any one of those call us up, send in an email whatever you want to do our best best yet just come on in and see us. Come on in and see us. You're going to have a great time. you're gonna get a wonderful deal and you're gonna be part of something bigger than a car.
4: That's perfect. Thanks for talking with us today and uh, go enjoy a ball game. All right thank you you guys have have fun. All right, welcome back to Twins Today. My guest is none other than Rob Malik. Rob works in the Twins ticketing offices and uh, very excited to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show.
10: Thank you, Derek. It's great to be here and congratulations on the new show.
4: Thank you very much. Now, I understand you got a bit of a background in Radio 2. Uh, sources close to the situation informed me before we started that uh, you did a little bit of minor league baseball. Is that right?
10: Oh, yes. Back in a former lifetime. It seems like it was forever ago when I worked in Fort Myers, Florida uh, at the uh, Twins affiliate there, formerly known as the Fort Myers Miracle. That was uh, like 95 through 99. Had an absolute blast doing that job. Uh, saw a lot of uh, what would become future Twins uh, come through there from A.J. Pierzinski and Doug Minkiewicz and Corey Kosky, Tori Hunter, uh, Jack Jones, and there are others as well, Kadire and Matthew LeCroy, guys like that had an absolute uh, time of my life for, for five years.
4: Oh, that's great. And uh, baseball runs in the family, too. I, I promise I'll talk to, to you about the twins ticketing and stuff like that. I'm, I'm genuinely excited, but I also understand there's a uh, gopher in the family.
10: Yes, uh, my oldest son Sam, uh, who is a senior right now at uh, Woodbury High School, will be uh, joining the Golden Gophers uh, next fall, and we couldn't be more excited about that. It kind of came out of nowhere the last uh, couple of years, so it uh, it makes uh, all those seasons of uh, coast pitch and uh, and and keeping the scorebook on the sideline uh, uh, all the more worth
4: it. That is so great! Congratulations to Sam. Thank you. Uh, We're looking forward to next fall and we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves because we're also looking forward to this summer. I know I am. I'm sure that you are too. What kinds of things can we look for that are new this year for ticket sales, whether that's single game for people who are interested in the one-off or we're also curious about season ticket holders and what the future holds for them.
10: Well, I think the biggest thing that is new right now that uh, due to limited capacity, we're putting our tickets on sale uh, on basically a month by month basis. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we put tickets on sale for April 8th through May 6th, uh, and that went extremely well. Uh, Most of the games are sold out. I will let you know that uh, we have tickets still available for the games against the Boston Red Sox, April 12th through the 15th and also uh, the first uh, Monday through Thursday in May, May 3rd through the 6th against the Texas Rangers. Uh, Because of limited capacity and our hope that uh, during the uh, year as as the season goes on that we may get approval from the Department of Health and the Governor's Office to increase capacity, we want to be ready for that. So we put this limited uh, number of dates on sale now and then as we hopefully get the clearance to, uh, to add seats, we'll put the, the rest of the season uh, on sale as well. So the May on sale date uh, will be communicated soon. Uh, and then hopefully as the season goes on, ultimately our goal would be of course, to return to full capacity, uh, but we'll see what the future holds.
4: Well, I'm glad you hit on that. I was going to ask you when we'll know when tickets beyond that May 6th date will go. And I suppose that maybe without putting your feet to the fire too much, where's the best place people can watch for that information as it does become available?
10: Well, uh, stay tuned to uh, twinsbaseball.com if you're a season ticket holder, uh, of course, uh, watch your email inbox uh, at all times because that's how we primarily communicate with our season ticket holders. Of course, twin social media as well, Twitter and Facebook pages as well, Uh, but we definitely won't be keeping a secret once we announce that date of when the uh, May 14th uh, through the 30th tickets go on sale.
4: Okay, that's absolutely great. I suppose you wouldn't keep it a secret. You're probably going to want to let people know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> they can...
10: that's, that's for sure. We've been really pleased with the response so far by fans. It seems like everyone just wants to get back out to Target Field after uh, missing all of the season last year. Oh. Uh, having to watch everything on TV last yeah. year. Uh, and now we're, we're, we feel so pleased to to be welcomed 10,000 fans per game for now. And hopefully more in the, in the near future. Yeah.
4: Hey Rob, if I can ask, and Rob Malik is our guest works for the twins. Ticketing knows the ins and outs of all of this stuff, as well as anybody, Rob, I've been curious myself, how are season ticket holders prioritized because obviously with the limited capacity there's just going to present challenges all over the board and you know i'm sure there are some people wondering about how can i get in line and and the fairness if you want to call it that i don't even know if it's the right word but how are you guys thinking about that in terms of making sure people can come out to the games again whether they have that package or if they're just trying to come out for one game
10: well, it really goes back to last year, Derek, when uh, the pandemic hit and we were unable to host fans. Uh, uh, we went out and offered our season ticket holders a, a bonus credit for for staying with us through the pandemic, and uh, really uh, happy to report that. Uh, the vast majority of our season ticket holders did, did stay with us. And, and part of that was our commitment to uh, make sure that they had uh, priority access to twins tickets in 2021. So when uh, several weeks ago, we got the clearance to host 10,000 fans, the first thing we did was reach out to our, our season ticket holders. Uh, In a couple of different ways. We offer them the chance to uh, get every game that would be in their package for 2021 or for those fans who really aren't sure yet about when they want to come back uh, to be able to participate in a series of monthly pre-sales. So we've done that. Uh, And the response during that process was also very strong. Uh, And uh, as I said, most of our games are sold out, except for those uh, games against Boston in April and those against Texas in May. Uh, And so if folks are out there listening, Wondering, do I have an opportunity to, to buy Twins tickets on the single game? The answer is yes. The demand is high, uh, but just uh, when we announce that made dates, uh, when uh, tickets will go on sale to the general public, uh, go on to twinsbaseball.com and, and join us for the game. If you want a little bit more uh, assurance about that and you've been thinking about joining the Twins uh, season ticket holder family for a while, then now is an excellent time to, to do that as well. Uh, one of the most popular ways uh, for us to do that is uh, through the flex plan. Uh, most folks have probably heard about it by now. We don't keep that a secret either. Um, <laughs> and that's uh, 40 vouchers that are good for any game. You choose your preferred seating area, and then you redeem your vouchers using your phone or your computer. And you can basically come out uh, when you want in a, in a pod of exactly two or four seats uh, during this time of, of limited capacity. Uh, so that's probably one of the most popular ways to, uh, to join us right now. Although we are still offering what I would call a traditional plan, whether that be full season tickets, uh, a partial plan, like a 40 game plan, 20 game plan uh, with the same seats um, uh, reserved for you. Um, those are certainly still available as well.
4: I'm curious to know, um, and having not been to a game as a fan since 2019, I'm curious to know, and maybe the listeners would be as well, Rob, what's going to be different this year? Uh, There are going to be some people who maybe have their two rounds of vaccines or, you know, there's just going to be a whole different array of people that you're inviting into the ballpark. What can they expect that's going to look different from, uh, you know, pre-pandemic world in in 2019, the last time they were at Target Field?
10: Well, I think the number one thing that you can expect is to uh, expect uh, to, to be safe, um, uh, obviously we've got uh, these pods of two seats and four seats, and each pod is physically distanced by six feet away from every other pod. Uh, so you'll you'll be safe and feel safe when you when you're attending the game. Also, some of the things that formerly were. Uh, let's call it high touch things like concessions. You'll be able to order concessions using your mobile phone uh, through the uh, uh, MLB Ballpark app uh, and then be able to uh, pick up your order. Uh, we'll be educating people in the stadium uh, about how to do that. Um, and um, it's, uh, we've partnered with the 3M as well on, on cleaning and sanitizing the, the stadium. So when people come back to target field, they know that they're coming into a, a safe environment.
4: That's great. I, I've got two more questions for you, Rob, before we let you go and thank you so much for your time here today. It's, it's great talking with you and like getting to learn this all quickly because things seem to be changing just, you know, so quickly. And you guys have had to adapt and react and put together this plan here. Um, I remember where I was when I read the news uh, that governor Tim Walls was going to allow and of course, I had a little bit of interest in the Twins and uh, what that announcement might bring. But when I saw 10,000 fans were going to be allowed inside Target Field for the home opener, I mean, that that was a, a big moment for me. And I remember where I was. I can't imagine what it must have been like for you and your teammates inside at the ticketing office. What What was that announcement like and what led up to it?
10: We were waiting and waiting for that announcement. We were anticipating something, hoping for something. We didn't know what the number would be. Would it be 5,000, 10,000, something in between? Uh, But we had really been working for Um, months, I would say, in advance of that, asking ourselves the question, what happens when we restart a season and it's not to full capacity? How do we uh, reward our season ticket holders while also giving access to as many people in twins territory as possible to see the twins? Uh, Fortunately, uh, most other leagues have been through this. And of course, all of major league baseball has, has gone through this. We spoke to a lot of people, a lot of uh, colleagues in, with other teams in, in multiple sports, all of us sharing information about uh, what are you thinking about? How do you plan to execute this? Uh, and as a result of that, we came together with a plan that we've now executed. And uh, we're very thankful that it's going well Uh, and our season ticket holders in particular have responded positively to it
4: that's amazing and and I know most of our listeners are going to be baseball fans just kind of the nature of uh, of a twins pre -pre pregame show but I understand that if they have uh, friends and family that would love to get out to target field and they're not the baseball type uh, did I did I read correctly that there might be some concerts to look forward to this summer as well
10: well, there are uh, concerts that are, I think tentatively uh, being uh, considered to be rescheduled. They had been scheduled for okay. 2020, but it might be premature to reannounce any dates now as things are finalized with the promoters and, and that type of thing. Uh, I think the goal for those shows would be uh, to return when we can put a few more people in Target Field beyond 10,000. So uh, that's a, a, a wait and see uh, type thing as it relates to uh, the concerts at Target Field.
4: We can maybe hope uh, optimistically that that becomes a a reality, maybe mid to late summer. I know I've got some people in my life that are very excited when it's finally safe to get back out to concerts and see them live. I
10: think, Derek, you will eventually be banging your head again at Target Field sometimes.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's great to hear. Rob Malik, thank you so much for your time.
10: Thanks, Derek. Have a great day.
4: All right. That was special guest Rob Malik, Minnesota Twins Senior Director of Ticket Strategy and New Business Development. Super generous with the time. We thank Rob for that. If you did miss any of that or you just want to know where you can get tickets, it's twinsbaseball.com tickets. You'll find all the info there as, as well as the options to purchase that Rob talked about. You're listening to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm Derek Wetmore, and right now we have a special segment, one that I'm looking forward to doing throughout the baseball season here, where we talk to people who are following the Twins as closely as the Twins can be followed. My next guest is uh, joining us from Milwaukee, a man who needs no introduction, but I'll give one anyway, Phil Miller. Welcome to the program.
5: Thanks, Derek. Uh, Which thought am I? Am I number? Did I make the top five? You know what? This is a
4: bonus content here, so uh, maybe next time. uh... (laughs) Phil, uh, I've talked with you in the past. You know, we've covered the Twins together for a while, and uh, I've made no secret that my favorite kind of baseball game is dueling aces—a pitcher's duel. And gosh, were we treated to one last night!
5: It was pretty remarkable. I, I was so focused on on uh, Jose Barreos that uh, you almost don't notice that uh, when he's sitting down, the twins are sitting down pretty quickly too. Uh, the, the six strikeouts in a row, it was great. It uh, it, it got uh, Jose back out there uh, to watch him again. And then you look up six innings later and, wow, they don't have a hit either. <laughs> you know, in, uh, after four innings, it was uh, 12 up and 12 down for both teams. Uh, never seen, uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that.
4: And I don't think I'd seen Jose pitch like that, be so dialed in with all of his pitches. So, yeah, I mean, really just fun to follow for me from afar. And uh, he, he mentioned, he came on the show a little bit earlier today, and... So I guess that makes you the bullpen, Phil. Uh, starting pitcher's out. He's out a little early, and that's okay because we've got some great reinforcements on the show. He said he's absolutely aware while he's going that the other guy has his stuff dialed in. I I just wondered what a fun headspace that must be, thinking, "All right, I'm at the top of my game right now, and this is great because the other guy is too." Um,
5: I did. Throwing, I, he, oh, go ahead. He's throwing the ball harder than he ever has, uh, too. I mean, that's how dialed yeah. in he is.
4: Well, and I was thinking earlier, too, that, yeah, if you got to look out for that breaking ball, but you got to keep in the back of your mind the change-up. Oh, and if you get the fastball, it's 95-96. Uh, good luck in the batter's box there. I saw a, it, a tweet that you sent out yesterday, Phil, about interleague play. I, I knew Jose had pitched well against the National League, but I didn't know that he kept this kind of company uh so listeners who are following along on twitter it's at Miller millerstrib who tweeted out the lowest career batting average allowed in interleague games this is pitchers who have thrown at least uh have faced at least 400 pitchers excuse me faced 400 batters uh, the number one on the list might not surprise anybody mariano rivera 173 batting average. Number two on the list surprised me. Phil Miller, 188 batting average against for Jose Barrios in National League games. What gives?
5: What does give? I, I don't have any idea. Is he uh, excited <laughs> uh, of, in the games where he's go- knows he's going to hit, uh, or uh, I don't know. It, it it's also could be, you know, you don't see interleague plays except for the Brewers. You don't see most interleague teams uh, more than once every three years. Sure. So maybe there's a familiarity thing to it. Although is there's, you know, a lot of guys have that. It's a, everybody who has that. Uh, I suppose it's probably a, uh, just a fluke. And it just says that he's a a good pitcher because you're right. You look at the rest of the company on that. And, uh, I think everybody on that list except Alex Cobb had won a Cy Young award. Uh, yes. Kershaw and, uh, Trevor Bauer and, uh, Max Serger so yeah it's, it's pretty good company <laughs> yeah you could say that
4: again uh, I have to ask you too because I know there are going to be a lot of listeners who watch that ball game uh, similar to the way that they watched the World Series and thought man there's an ace deal and let him do his thing Rocco Baldelli, uh, answered the questions after the game and so you were there for that what was his answer when he said you know he's a Jose's dealing right now, and he's only in the mid '80s for pitches. Was there any temptation to to let him keep going and try to seal, or or at least achieve, uh, endeavor to achieve a a no hitter last night, Phil?
5: No, and he had a reasonable answer, uh, better than I uh, expected. He he said, you know, we're obviously very well aware of that, but he's in the mid '80s, um, even as efficiently as he's pitching. If, he, if we let him try to get the no-hitter, he's going to pitch three more innings. That's at least 120 pitches minimum, mm. even if he uh, has a quick inning. We're not going to let him pitch 120 pitches. So he's not going to get the no-hitter. So what are we doing here? Let's put that out of our heads and manage to uh, – uh, as if there's not a no-hitter. So I, I can buy that. And, and now you can argue with, well, is Jose – third time through the order um a better idea than uh taylor rogers against the uh, brewers left handers you know the, the brewers uh key hitters are all left-handed mm. so you have to be very mindful of that and uh, uh just like uh in opening day they brought in uh, taylor rogers to face the tough left handers and just like opening day it was three up and three down uh, a mismatch so um I I understand it. He wasn't going to get it. So the only thing you can send him out there for is um, extending a non-no-hitter, you know, and just put off the moment you're going to take him out. So since it's not a consideration, um, let's do what's best for the team. So you can argue whether or not Burrells versus Rodgers is uh, is the right thing to do. But uh, Rocco's got uh, three strikeouts on his side in that argument.
4: Yeah, and it's, it worked out uh, for the Twins, at least in that case, it did. Phil, we got to run to a break, but I want to keep you here because you wrote a great piece about Andrelton Simmons uh, during spring training that I, I just we haven't had a chance to talk about Simmons yet. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Um, we'll do that on the other side of this break. You're listening to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars, we'll be back with you in a moment on News Talk eight three zero. WCCO Welcome back, Twins today driven by the mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm Derek Wetmore and we're joined today by Phil Miller who covers the Twins for the Star Tribune and he is in Milwaukee. Uh, we sure appreciate your time, Phil, and I I, I uh, don't think I reached out to you when I read this lead in your Andleton Simmons Feature, but please just know that I really appreciate it. You, you talked about how if uh, social media hadn't already proliferated, the return of the exclamation point, Andrelton Simmons might well have done that by himself. I thought that was a great line in a in a great profile.
5: I appreciate that, uh, Derek. It's uh, it's funny. Uh, I I wanted to make the story live up to uh, what I understand and what we're waiting to uh, see of the uh, greatness of. the uh, of Simmons'
4: feeling. Yeah, I watched a lot of Angels games over the past few years, um, mostly because of a guy named Mike Trout, but also I'm fascinated by Shohei Otani and just the, the the group that they have there. So I've seen a little bit of it, but certainly haven't seen it up close every day. And um, that's, the, that's the feeling that I really got from reading your piece on Simmons and the Twins' new free agent acquisition that, yeah, you can look at, metrics or, or, you know, numbers and say, yeah, this guy's a pretty good shortstop. But the people that you spoke to for the piece, Phil, they sure seemed like this is not just an ordinary great fielder. This this guy is, you know, to use a Twins example, it's sort of Byron Buxton level excellence with the glove.
5: Well, it is. uh, Like Buxton, he has won a platinum glove as the best overall fielder at any position in his league um which says a lot. Uh, the comparison everyone makes is ozzy Smith and uh wow uh, I heard more than one person say that uh Ozzie Smith might be the only better fielder that uh, they have encountered in wow. in uh all their seasons. It's uh it is remarkable the the numbers, all the runs he has saved, he, statistically and defensive statistics are hard to uh harder to quantify because mm-hmm. they're so dependent on opportunity, but uh, the statistics say that he is not only the best fielder in baseball and has been for the last you know, five to seven years, but it's not close. There's nobody uh, near him. And he's a, he's a guy who won four gold gloves and has gotten down ballot MVP votes uh, hmm. three times just because of his fielding. So I'm waiting. I, I spend a lot of the games, uh, spring training as well, going hit it to Andelton, hit it to Andelton or <laughs> yes. or near him because you want to see this. And uh um, he has, uh, he has made a couple of diving stops. He's made uh, one throw in particular that was pretty amazing, but, um, still waiting for the, uh, for the highlight stuff.
4: Yeah. And you talked to his, uh, this was the part that, I mean, struck me more than anything. Uh, you talked to his world baseball classic manager and you'll have to remind me of the year that Simmons was the shortstop for that team, but, uh, it, it almost reads like hyperbole. Until you see, yeah, everybody's saying the same kind of thing. What was your impression from that conversation from his former manager?
5: Well, it, it, that team, the, uh, it's the Netherlands team, because uh, Ampton is from the island of Curacao, which is uh, a Dutch colony. Uh, that team had Didi Gregorius, the uh, all-star manager, uh, shortstop of the Yankees. It had uh, Jerickson Profar, who started his career at shortstop. It had Xander Bogarts, who has won gold gloves at uh, shortstop for the Red Sox. And it had Andreton Simmons. So uh, uh, Hensley Mullins, Bam Bam Mullins, the uh, mm-hmm. manager of the team, said, I got them together and I said, look, you tell me who's going to play where. And he said, everyone had just immediately started pointing at Andleton and saying, well, there's the shortstop. I mean, <laughs> he's the best. And that's coming from, that's coming from gold glove level, all-star level shortstops in the big leagues, uh, all uh, saying, yeah, yeah, he's the guy. He's uh, he's, he's something to watch on the field too. It's, it's not just his, uh, these highlight plays that he can make, although he can, uh, he's the general on the field. There's, there's really, when he walks around, just when he's walking around the infield, he, he looks like he's in command. Uh, It's a, it's an interesting phenomenon that I think Twins fans will pick up on and enjoy pretty quickly.
4: Yep, this will be fun to watch. Uh, we will sneak in call if we can get somebody. You want your Twins question answered here on Twins today before we hand it over to the pregame lineup card. Uh, 651-989-9226. That's 651-989-9226. We'll try to squeeze one in. Uh, we'll certainly take calls throughout the season this year, so don't be shy. About that, um, Phil, I, I you touched on it in your answer about why was Jose Barrios lifted earlier than uh, one might expect uh, the the lefty lefty matchup and you got Christian Yelich coming up and oh by the way a pretty good reliever in your bullpen Taylor Rogers I am fascinated to see this play out and I'd like your thoughts on it Rocco doesn't sound interested in assigning a number of inning to a guy you know you're not the ninth inning guy you're not the setup man. He's going to hunt for matchups late in that game. How do you think that's been received in the bullpen itself, like within the clubhouse?
5: Well, all else we can go by is what they say and uh, and what they do. Uh, everybody says they're on board. Everybody uh, says that they are uh, willing to uh, do what's necessary to win. I mean, in, in particular Taylor Rogers, who seen you know in the first couple of uh, outings has pitched the seventh inning rather than the ninth. He had never before uh, pitched that early in in a game under uh, Rocco. Um, Says he's great with it. Uh, You know, he knows that his job is going to be to get the tough lefties uh, in whatever inning that uh, they arrive. For all of Rocco's denials that he's going to have a regular closer, I do think it looks like um, Alex Colomay is going to be the uh, regular closer, all things being equal, but it, it, well, this might be skewed a little bit by uh, Milwaukee's lineup and their how important the left-handers are, but I do think teams that have important, scary uh, left-handers in the middle of the lineup are uh, that's when Taylor Rogers is going to pitch, and so what inning they come up is uh, is going to be the determining factor. It really is uh, pretty simple uh, that way, I think uh, Rogers is so good, uh, opponents batting average below 200 against, uh, left-handers that, uh, it makes sense. And he's on board. Um, I asked him, uh, before the season, who's going to have more saves this year, him or his, uh, twin brother, uh, Tyler pitches uh, for the giants. And he said, on this new role, we're going to keep it pretty close. Uh, uh, I I want to have one more than uh, than Tyler.
4: (laughs) It's that uh, sort of sibling rivalry rearing its head. Yeah, they're twins, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I, I think it's important to have buy-in because, you know, uh, you you can uh, math these things out all that you want to, but ultimately it's the players that have to execute. And I snuck in my first cliche here at the almost two-hour mark of the show. Um, but there are, you know, there are plans that don't go to plan if a player doesn't buy in. You know, I've talked with uh, yeah. Glenn Perkins, former Twins closer and three-time All-Star in the past, that, yeah, it's kind of nice to know when I'm going to come in. And I know Rodgers has said similar things in the past, too. So it, it almost looks, it reflects to me like it's a uh, growing into this sort of uh, Rocco maybe understand maybe it's a raised way or whatever you want to call it. It seems like Rogers has sort of uh, changed his tune to be comfortable with hunting matchups rather than hunting his inning. The ninth inning is
5: mine. Yeah. It's interesting too, because ego plays a role. Don't, uh, don't kid yourself. These guys have egos. I, I'll tell you one big reason Jose Barrios looked so good last night is because he wanted to be the opening day starter, even though uh, he realizes that uh, it, that it legitimately was uh kenta's uh kenta honor but uh Eagle plays a role and uh i i think the same is true of uh relievers i you know uh, taylor rogers i don't doubt has a little bit of takes a uh, pride in uh, in the saves that he's racked up um and you know with relief pitchers uh especially in arbitration uh yeah. counting stats like that they couldn't they couldn't mean money too so it's it's no small thing that uh that he has to uh kind of uh swallow his pride and uh, do what's best for the team so I, I don't I, I don't want to minimize it I don't doubt that uh, as much as he says no big deal I want to do uh, what the team wants uh, I, you know I it's not what he would prefer I would uh, put it that way but yeah. uh, it, it does show uh, that's uh he's got the team at heart I think
4: good team guy uh, Phil you're a great team guy as well I sure appreciate you. Uh, Coming on the debut show today thanks for your time and go enjoy a ball game in
5: milwaukee i was on derek's first show this is uh i i, I gotta get a t-shirt with that
4: <laughs> something to write home about
5: <laughs> thanks yeah bro. thanks appreciate it Derek.
4: that's phil miller uh obviously star tribune beat writer a guy who i said needs no introduction but i gave him one anyways uh maybe the ego came into play a little bit there too i'm just kidding you phil Uh, That's going to do it for Twins Today, driven by Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. Uh, This has been a fun first show. Uh, I'm Derek Wetmore, and I'll be around here with you Sundays, 10 to noon, on News Talk 830 WCCO, and we'll try to have some fun with it. Just talking a little bit of Twins baseball leading up and headed into the pregame lineup card brought to you by Edina Realty. Rubber match today. Have fun with it, Twins fans. Talk to you next week.
1: Driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars.
3: This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.
11: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better